This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. But look at this, look at this. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Or conceit. Uh, conceit, it's a very interesting word. Once again, I don't mean to sound all intellectual, but this is fantastic. The words, again, like I said, that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write. Kenodoxia is a Greek word over here. Kenodoxia. Kenosis means to empty oneself. And doxia is, is praise, doxology. That's where we get doxology from. So empty praise, vain glory. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition and vain glory. Empty praise. This is interesting. I've seen many good, talented people. It sucks. Talented, good, man. You're poised for God to use you. And then they run after selfish ambition and vain glory. And they wonder why their ministries aren't successful. They wonder why their families are falling apart, why their businesses aren't doing well. Selfish ambition, vain glory. Paul is saying, don't be selfish and a self-praising fool. But instead, in humility, consider others more significant than yourself. So let's look at humility real quick. So if unity is having humility in disagreements, we also need to define what is this humility? What does it look like? Humility, folks, is this. It's standing firm in your convictions while trying to keep unity. Standing firm in your convictions while trying to keep unity. You see, standing firm on your convictions is not being prideful like I mentioned earlier. It is being loving. But standing firm on your convictions alone is not sufficient. It needs to have a spirit of unity with the desire to unite. Let me, let me build on this a little bit. Because I need for us as a church to get this, especially with our vision for this year being grasp your moment. Something is going to make you stand firm on your convictions. And there won't be other people that will stand with you, that will go the direction you're going, and you have to stand firm on your convictions, but we still need to have the spirit of unity in us. You see, standing on your convictions without a desire to unite, so having firm convictions but not having the spirit to unite, is selfish ambition. Did you get it? Because you're like, I feel very strongly about this, and this is what I should be doing, but you have no spirit for unity, that's selfish ambition. You want to go your own way, you don't care who you're stepping over and who you're killing along the way. You've got to have a spirit of unity along with your strong convictions. And at the same time, at the same time, when you're striving for unity without strong convictions, so you're like, hey, we need to be united, but you need to be united, but no strong convictions, that is empty glory. That's vain, vain glory. How many times you've gone to churches and leadership has no backbone? They have no convictions. They say yes to everything. Yes to this, yes to this, yes to this, yes to this. What happens is there are 50 people that are fighting against each other because it's all competing visions. So, vainglory. They're like, oh wow, this leader said yes. Wow, this leader said yes. This leader said yes. But it's all vainglory. You've got to have strong convictions and you need to strive for unity. And this is biblical, like we just read. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. You've got to have a good, strong conviction and you need to have a spirit of unity. And there are times when you have to say, no, I'm not going to budge from this, but help me understand why you're not able to see this. And let me share my vision with why I believe that God is calling us to do this. Take time to have those conversations. And it's good for us to have this. Humility is essential in a Christian's life, but it doesn't mean you hang your head down and live like you're shameful. It doesn't mean you cannot be bold and strong about what God's calling you to do. It's important, especially in the time that we're living in, for Christians to be bold about what we believe in, but with a spirit of unity. We're going to bring this to a close very soon. I'm not going to speak too long this morning because I feel like even this little bit has a lot for you to chew on. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. I believe that gospel-centered unity is a game changer. I believe that this is a game changer. If you are looking 
If you're looking for God to do something bright, new, fantastic, and powerful, if you are excited for the move of God, unity is a game changer. I believe that even today, even before you leave these doors, this can change your life. Just for the way you talk to a person over here with the spirit of unity. I believe that this will change marriages. I believe that this will change parenting. This will change your business, your workplace, when you look at gospel-centered unity. You see, the, the, the normal chant for the world is look out for number one. Look out for yourself, man. Just take care of yourself. And I think there's a time for that. There's a time for you to take care of yourself. When you're newly married, it's essential for you to spend time in getting to know each other because you can finish a ceremony in what, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, right? I pronounce you know, man and wife. And then it takes a long time right, married couples, for you to actually grow into being husband and wife. And there, there are times where you need to take that time for you to learn to understand each other. It takes time for unity to be built, for oneness, for agreement to come. It takes time when you have a child, you need to take time away from your ministry callings and desires and stuff like that for you to pour into growing into a mother, growing into a father, being a husband, being a wife. Uh, there are times when you need to take care of yourself. When, when a loved one dies, it's important for you to, to pull back even Jesus, when John the Baptist is beheaded, he pulls away, he goes away into the wilderness, man. He goes off to spend some time in isolation, in solitude. There are times when we need to pull away and take care of our needs. But if we become our own excessive obsession, please listen to me. If you are your own excessive obsession, it will lead to a lot of emotional, physical, and spiritual problems. If you are your own obsession, all you care about is your calling, your vision, your strengths, how you are being used, how you are not being you know, abused, how your gifts and talents aren't being used, and you're not looking at the bigger picture. You will have problems spiritually, physically, and emotionally. I like how Paul puts it. Verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So he's saying, listen, you've got to take care of yourself. There are times when you have to say, hey, listen, I need to go away. I need solitude. I need to pour into my life. I need to take care of my family. I need to take care of my children. But don't look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. A key difference that should be evident in a believer's life compared to the world should be our unity that shows in our care and love for each other. Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, I've given you a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. Then... Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's got to show in our unity. It's got to show in the way we care for one another. But this verse alone, folks, and I mean this, this verse alone is packed with a huge weight of call on our lives. To care for the interests of others. I have a question for you that will help you unpack this verse and take it in its text and apply it to the context of your life. How much of your world will change if it stopped getting your help or influence? How much of your world will be different if it completely, all of a sudden, just stopped getting your influence and your care? Would your world be any different at all if all of a sudden you ceased to exist? You see, there have been times in my life, and this is, this is I think, the game changer right here. There have been times in my life when I've sat in churches and heard a message like this that fired me up that had a passion growing in my chest that I couldn't ignore. But I just did not know what to do with it. I want to be used by God. I want to help the world. I want to change the world. I just do not know where to start. I do not know where to begin. I just do not know what to do with it. Anybody feel that way? You felt that way? Yeah, it's like, man, yes, Joel, I love it. Yeah, let's do it. Like, I don't know what to do. And so what we do as churches is 
We, we, we start different ministries. We start different programs. Hey, you can come do this. You can come do that. And what we actually end up doing is we quench the fire that God is lighting in you. Now, see, churches don't want to talk about this because we just want to build a big building and have as many people fill the, fill the chairs. I don't want to do that. What I want is that fire that God's put in your heart to be realized, to be understood, and for you to answer that call, for you to grasp that moment. So that fire that you have, you're like, man, how do I do this? Where do I participate in this? And here's another question that, that I want to ask you. Do you know your mission in life? Do you know what God is calling you to do? Because if you do not know your own interests, how in the world are you going to answer the interests of others? Because you see, don't ever call me to come and fix your roof. I'll probably fall through it. I'm not the right guy to fix your roof. Hey, but if you need encouragement from God's word, call me. In fact, I'll be offended if you didn't call me. Listen, if you need, if you need someone to pray with you, yeah, call me. I would love to pray with you. If you need someone to go play golf with, don't call me because I never played golf. You know, it's not my interest. Call George. In fact, he'll be offended if you didn't call him, right? No, he's a busy guy. Leave him alone. No. Oftentimes, we do not know our calling in life. And so we imitate other people's call. And you actually ruin people's life because that's not what God's calling you to do. What are you, what are you doing going and leading worship? Or what are you doing going and preaching? What are you doing going and bringing evangelism when you should be opening your home and cooking a meal for someone who's hurting and crying? Do you know the call of God in your life? Listen, man, this is a year where God's calling us to grasp the moment. This is not going to be easy for you. This means undoing a lot of the things that you found comfort in doing because you just went punched into your Christian walk, punched into your programs, punched into your ministries where you worked. But God wants to speak to you and call you to what he's created you for. You cannot answer other people's needs if you yourself do not know how God's calling you to answer those needs. It's interesting because Paul says, don't just look to your own interests. You need to look to what is God calling you to do if you are to be able to answer the needs of others. Here's another question I want to ask you. Do you know who God is calling you to unite with to further his call in your life? Who's God calling you to unite with? Who's he calling you to partner with? Because you see, oftentimes, we just look for the group that's open and we go join it. When God says, no, 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 listen, I'm calling you to, to unite with these people, with this person, because you guys have a similar call. This is going to be your Timothy that you're going to mentor. Listen, as Christians, we don't pause to think about this because if you're a disciple, you've got to be making disciples. A leader is a leader if only he's making more leaders. And you are disciples who should be making more disciples. And if you do not know what God's calling you to do, you would not be able to answer your call clearly. You'll just punch in and punch out into different programs and still feel very let down, like you're not being used by God. And you'll partner yourself with people who share your same history, not your destiny. Remember that message? And you don't want that. You want to share, you want to, you want to partner with people who share your same destiny. So that way, you guys are encouraging each other, stirring each other with good works and pursuing the vision and call that God has for you. And this means that you will have to unfriend a few people in your life. Even though they're good people, they're not bad people. But they're holding you back. And, and maybe you're going to go, go out of your comfort zone and have lunch or coffee with someone and invite someone over and say, hey, listen, man, I really believe that God is stirring our spirits in this direction. I wonder what God will call us to do together. You know, maybe a life group that God's calling you to will be the place where this is, is channeled and this passion will begin to grow, where the calling of God will be realized in your life. And I'm telling you, the easiest way for you to find the calling of God in your life is ask yourself, what is the burning bush in your life that you cannot ignore? It's it, when you wake up with it and you're like, I can't get over this. I 
need to do something about this. All my books that I buy is about this. All the videos I watch is about this. What's the burning passion in your life that you cannot ignore? And are you acting out in that passion? Are you working towards that passion? If God's calling to be a preacher, are you writing sermons? If God's calling to be a worship leader, are you worshiping at home? Like I told you earlier, if you don't do it in private, God will never give you the opportunity to do it in public. God doesn't want hypocrites. You with me this morning? All right, all right. If you have no influence, it's quite possible you'd not know your mission and you're partnering with the long, wrong people and are wondering why there's no unity. I'm telling you, man, unity is a game changer. There's power in unity. You see, the disciples, you guys are wondering why this was here, right? The disciples, they were, they were all together and uh, they hung over Jesus and you know, they loved it. They loved it. They were like, this is great. But, but even, even among them, there was selfish ambition. You remember that? Hey, uh, in fact, they didn't have the guts to go to Jesus, so they brought their mom, right? Like, mom, can you go, mom? Come on. And like, hey, Jesus, um, in your kingdom, I want my sons, one on your left, one on your right. So it doesn't matter which one's where, but I want one selfish ambition, vain glory, empty praise, Judas, empty praise. And, 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 and that's, how, that's how they were. But they were all together, but that, 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 that's where they were. And it says in the book of Acts that um, Jesus, after he rose again from the dead, he was with them for 40 days. There were eyewitnesses to this. And he was hanging out with them. And then he ascended into heaven. And 10 days later, it was Pentecost. And they were all together in one room. But you see, what Jesus had to do was he had to show them that if we are together with our own selfish ambition, with our own pride, you ready for this? This is what will happen to us as a church. Because one day, the building is going to go. One day, the leadership is going to go. And one day, your selfish ambition is going to go. And then, just like the disciples... And this is what you're left with. This is what you're left with. Empty religion. Selfish ambition. Selfishness. Conceit. Pride. This is what you're left with. And it's funny because Jesus says, it's good for you that I go away. Because this is, this is how you are disciples. You're all together because of this kingdom, this power that you're seeing. And you're like, oh, miracles and food. And, and Jesus, when are you going to build your kingdom? When are you going to come together? This is all they wanted. They just wanted, let us just all be together.